welcome to the Burnout Proof Your Biz podcast, where we explore how you can give yourself permission to run your business and live your dream life on your own terms. You started your business to have more freedom. Let's help you find it. I'm your host, Chelsea B. Foster. Let's dive into today's topic. On today's episode, Brayden Drake is here to teach us how to launch our business legally. Brayden loves to say that he is your gay best friend, but an attorney who can also do your taxes. He loves helping you reduce confusion and stress when it comes to filing the right paperwork when you are starting your business. Brayden is amazing, and I cannot wait for you guys to listen and learn all about launching legally. Okay, so thank you so much for being here, Brayden. Thanks for having me. I am very, very excited to talk about legal stuff. Yes. Oh my gosh. I am so excited. Guys, I had Brayden come into my Tuesdays Together group a couple of weeks ago. And it was so amazing. I got such great, fantastic feedback from them about having him come in for a masterclass. And so I am so excited to bring him here to share all that goodness with you guys too. Yeah, it was really fun. For that one, we talked specifically about taxes, which is one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. But today we're going to talk about one of my other favorite things. Exactly. Legal things. We thought about doing taxes and I may have them back on again later this year, whenever we are getting closer to tax season again. But since this is airing so close to tax day, (laughs) we are going to talk about launching your business legally, and which I told you guys all about in the opener. So Brayden, before we dive into that, go ahead and share with us who you are, who you serve, and kind of how you got to be here. Yes. So long, windy path, like most people. Actually, not really that windy because I started straight out of law school. But my name is Brayden Drake. I'm the owner of Brayden Drake Law. That's my law firm. And then I also have a second business called Creativepreneur Community, where I sell contract templates, courses, all things e-commerce. As far as that goes, my new business tagline is your gay best friend, but an attorney who can also do your taxes. So people tend to like that. It's kind of fun and quirky, I know. I but, love it. I think it yeah. like really shows off your personality right from the get-go, which we forget in our taglines, like they don't have to be so serious. My full circle moment was when I was trying to do, I needed to do some calls with my ICAs, my ideal client avatars, which are uh, small business creatives, mostly women between the ages of 25, 35, 25 and 40. And I was trying to connect with people on a Facebook group. And I was like, Hey, would anyone want to hop on a call with me? to help me iron out this course that I'm working on. And it was crickets. My friend was like, Brayden, you need to realize none of these women know you. You're just a strange man on the internet asking for their phone number. So then I realized if I could figure out some way to inject my personality into my web copy so that people don't think I'm just a strange man asking for their phone number, I'm their gay best friend who's here to help give them legal tips, then that'll help a lot of these hurdles, right? Because uh, being the only man in a lot of female-focused networking groups is a curse if people haven't met me yet because it could just come off as creepy. But then it's a blessing once they know who I am because then I stand out more in the crowd, I feel like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love how you've done that because it is super fun to add your personality and show off exactly who you are. And this is why you should know me because I'm awesome. Right? That's where I would insert like the... um, Nail polish emoji. That one's my favorite. (laughs) I do that one a lot. But to go back to my story of how I started serving entrepreneurs, I did several internships in law school. I interned at a really well-known plaintiff's law firm here in San Diego. And then I went and interned at a large, a really large firm where I was doing medical malpractice defense because I had a health law concentration. 
Wow. And I learned that the kind of office environment with billable hours was just not my jam. I get bored super easily, can't focus that long on reading medical records, and it wasn't really my thing. So a professor actually told me to take tax law, which seems really kind of odd. But the reason why I did that is because it's an area of the law based mostly on statute. And I found that I just really didn't enjoy reading a lot of cases. So I did that, loved it, decided to get my master's in tax law. And then when I was thinking about employment, I either wanted to go solo or work for a company like Ernst & Young, maybe doing international tax consulting. Because I also have my bachelor's degree in Russian language. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I know. My background, I told you, was like kind of weird, but... I swear, uh, like everyone that I bring on here, they have backgrounds like this. And I think it's because my background is super like colorful and well, not colorful. I changed my major a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny though, because people always ask me like, how did I get to where I am now? And then when I think about it, I was like, well, in undergrad, I was a Russian and political science major and I had minors in business and German, but I also thought about doing graphic design, art, photography, all those kind of things. I was like, now I get to use my skill set in tax and law to help creatives and flex that part of my brain. But then I also work with a lot of digital nomads who travel internationally. So kind of all come full circle. But really, when I was thinking about wanting to start a solo practice, it seemed crazy. But I reflected on the fact that a lot of my family are entrepreneurs. So I think that gave me the encouragement I needed to like go out on my own. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. And you're so right, though. All of like the winding path that we've been on has led us directly to this point and given us all of the skills and connections to create this business of our dreams, which like in college, this business that you have, that was not even like a glimmer of a possibility to you, right? No. Yeah. If you had told like 18 year old me that I'd end up becoming a tax attorney, I would have thought that was kind of crazy. But I would have pictured myself like in a high rise office doing tax law. And I'm a very social person, as you can imagine. So that wouldn't seem like my career path. But I've developed a business where I do most of my uh, business and one on one consulting. So I'm educating people, talking to them, learning about their businesses. It's super fun. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. Okay, so let's talk about. The people that are getting ready to launch their business, or maybe they have launched and they just want to make sure that they have everything covered. They did it the right way. I'm going to say the right way because I do think in this case, there is a right and a wrong. But yeah, so let's just start. You're launching your business. What do we need to know? So on the legal side of things, you are going to need to know a few things. Like for example, if you're in California... Most cities require you to get a local business license or pay a local business tax. If you're not operating under your full personal name, you need a fictitious business license, which is also referred to as a DBA. Uh, If you have multiple business names, you'll need to get more of those. I always encourage pretty much everyone to get an LLC to legally protect themselves and their business from the get-go. And then you may also need a seller's permit if your business is subject to sales tax. An EIN number is important. Technically, an EIN. EIN number is redundant. Everyone always writes EIN number, though, whenever they're writing it out, even though we know the N stands for number. Yeah. Employment identification number. Mm -hmm. So you need all of those things. And what I noticed is a lot of these things people can DIY, but they don't know if they need an LLC. So they need some consulting advice. And they also don't know when they need to do it. 
and they don't know which documents to file in the right order. For example, here's a really simple one. In San Diego, when you go to get your local business license, one of the form fields on the business license is seller's permit number. So you need to do your seller's permit first. Otherwise, you will have to update that application later when you get your seller's permit. And so really, there's an ideal way to do everything. And it's you can't necessarily do it wrong, but you can just make it more of a pain in the ass. So that's what I'm trying to help people do is figure out the appropriate order in order to reduce, reduce confusion and stress, and then obviously to protect their business moving forward. But that's just the legal setup, contracts, trademarks, everything else is really great as well. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, Okay, so I like that you brought up the whole city tax thing, because I think this is something that if you don't live in California, like you need to double check. But I know a lot of my friends that live in other states, they don't have to sign up with anyone near them. They just have to do the state level. And I'm a little jealous. (laughs) Yeah, every jurisdiction is a little bit different. Like even in California, some cities will have a different application if you're a home-based business. Like you are, your office is at your house, right? Yep. But then it's a different application if your office is at your house and that's just your office space versus if you actually meet with clients at your house and it's a meeting place. They have different requirements that you need to look into. And my top tip for local business license, if anyone listening has not done that, is Google the requirements for your city. But then if you're not sure, just call them because unlike the IRS, you typically don't have to wait on hold. The people are actually friendly and helpful. Yeah. (laughs) And questions and tell you what to do. Exactly, exactly. And I just went in. So I live right down the street from my city hall. (laughs) So I just went in and was like, "Uh, so I did this. And I don't know what form I need to fill out. And they were like, Oh, here you go. Fill out this and this and this. And I just sat down right there and filled it out. And I was one of those people that didn't do it right away. Because I was like, I'm just gonna test this and see if it works before I waste all my time and money, like actually forming a business. And they were super helpful. They were like, Oh my gosh, like, yeah, no, it's totally fine. People do this all the time. And I just had to pay like a $20 fee or something, late filing fee. It was not a big deal at all. So like yes, if you're some... afraid because you haven't done it, like just go do it. Yeah, just go do it. Uh, if you're starting, if you haven't started, like do it right away because some places do charge late fees. Mm-hmm. Which Sunnyvale, if you live in Sunnyvale, California, they do charge a late fee. Yeah, San, not, Diego, char- yeah, San Diego charges it. It's almost like daily interest. So well, they can get a little bit higher, but importance of doing all this from the get go. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, one thing that I remember when I was first starting out, I was super freaked out by how long it was going to take and the number of places I had to go. So I know here in California, you do have to go several places, especially if you're doing a DBA, but I was surprised at how fast it all happened. Yeah. So for my course, like my course promise, and we're going to talk more about the course later, but the goal is to go from none of this stuff to having it all done in five weeks. So really the only reason why it would be five weeks is because if you do an LLC, you want to do that first and then wait for that to get processed. So you have your LLC entity number to put on all the other documents. And so that takes a few weeks to process. So let's, since you brought up the LLCs, let's talk about why you would want to be an LLC versus just staying a sole prop. 
Sure. So LLCs are awesome. They're they're like the magical unicorn of business entities. To get started, you have to know that there are a lot of different business entities and entities is the legal term for all these different structures. So you have sole proprietorship, general partnership, limited liability partnership, limited liability company, professional limited liability company, C corporation, S corporation, B corporation, nonprofit corporation, professional corporation. May have missed a couple, but that's most of them. <laughs> The good news is, is that you can rule out pretty much all of those right off the bat for your service-based business. So if you don't need a large capital, meaning a lot of investors, you don't need a C corporation, you might know more of those than I do, seeing as how you live like up there in the tech bubble. But most yeah, of Yeah, a lot of them are C corps up here or S corps, yes. depending on what stage of their business they are. So S corps are a great thing. Basically, if you are the only member of your business, you're going to be in the land of a sole proprietor, an LLC, or S corp. Those are really the only three you need to know about. If you have a business partner, you can substitute sole proprietorship with general partnership. They're essentially the same thing for legal purposes, not tax purposes. So sole proprietorships and general partnerships, I call those the default entities, which basically means if you don't file any papers to get one of these other entities, you by default are one of those things. So what I found is a lot of people will say, oh, well, should I just be a DBA or a sole proprietorship? And I'm like, those aren't really different things. If you're operating, like if you decide to start knitting scarves and your friends wants to buy the scarves, like you have a sole proprietorship. If you don't get a business license for that business, it doesn't mean that you don't have a sole proprietorship. It means that you have a sole proprietorship that's not properly licensed. A lot of people think that they need to go get that license to have their sole proprietorship. That's not how it works. So the LLC is a business entity that protects your personal assets from business disputes. So the way I like to explain it, and I found this analogy really works, I think I came up with this after I presented to your group, but it was when I presented to a different Tuesdays Together group. I came up with this one on the fly and people really liked it. So now I teach that in LLC, you should picture it as like a magic bubble around your business. Magical bubble. I always like picture Glinda from The Wizard of Oz with like her magic bubbles. Yes. But it's a magic bubble around your business and then everything outside of your business lives outside of that bubble. So if you pictured a business dispute and in the imagery in your brain could be your business like literally explodes, like it implodes, the magic bubble protects all of the other shit from the shrapnel of that explosion, right? And so when people ask me if they have multiple businesses is they should put them all in one LLC, it's like, well, do you want that other business to be inside that bubble so it could get affected by the shrapnel? Or do you want it to have its own separate magic bubble? Right? I love that analogy. Fun. Yeah. All about a good analogy. But then the question is, people always say, well, how much risk does my business have? It's like, well, if you're signing high dollar contracts... If you have any kind of a hands-on business, so obviously if you do massage, physical therapy, there's liability there. Defaulting on contracts, defaulting on a lease if you have a business location. But there's also a lot of other liability out there that people don't think of. Like you don't need to run a base jumping company to have a risky business. I recently helped someone who got slapped with an $18,000 copyright demand letter. And it was pretty much bullshit. But <laughs> I always tell people like... A lawsuit doesn't have to be a viable lawsuit to still be a lawsuit. Like people can sue you for whatever they want. So ultimately, as your business starts to grow and you start to become successful, like you want an LLC to protect you. 
if you have a risky business model, you want to save the money to form your LLC before you even start operating your business. So when you say protect you, what exactly are you talking about? The LLC is awesome. It's going to put this little bubble around our business. But like me personally, so my business is my name, right? So there's some overlap there. What does the LLC do for me that being a sole prop doesn't? What it does is if I wanted to sue you, ideally you would have general liability insurance to protect yourself as a kind of initial layer of protection. So maybe that's like, I sue you. And if you don't have an LLC, I'm suing you personally. So if you don't have the cash to put up for that lawsuit, I'm going to put a judgment against your house. I'm going to go after your 401k, your car, any assets you might own. I can seek a judgment against those to satisfy the law, like basically what I win in the lawsuit. So an LLC prevents that if you do it correctly and meet the affirmative steps you have to take as the business owner. Absolutely. And this is a major reason why I am doing it this year. Just to add that layer of protection. Forming your LLC does cost some money, but it's going to end up saving you money if you ever have this nightmare situation happen or someone does sue you for whatever reason. Because like you said, they can sue you for whatever they want. Right. And it's also just peace of mind. And I always tell people, don't discount the fact that having an LLC by your name makes you look like a more legit business owner. So let's say we decided to form our business. We have got all the forms. We know exactly what we need to do. We're going to go get it all done. Take care of that business. We know we're going to do an LLC because that's going to protect us and our personal liability. What's that next step? Like, what's that next piece of making sure that we have everything in place legally so that we can officially launch our business? Once you form an LLC, you also need something called a business operating agreement. And that is the contract between you and your business. That's the best way I explain it. So we've probably all heard at some point that corporations are people. LLCs kind of are people as well. They're not people in the same respect because of like PACs, donations, political science stuff but they still are their own separate entity. So you need to have an operating agreement that specifies what your role in the company is going to be. And when you are the single owner of your business, I know this sounds really, really funny to people. But the point is, is in order to keep your liability protection, you just say like, Hey, look, I'm over here with all my personal assets. That's my company over there with all of its assets. And I have a contractual arrangement with my own company that determines when I can get paid how I'm making decisions, what will happen if I bring in a business partner. And if you're not abiding by the rules and obligations there, then people can quote unquote, pierce the corporate veil, which essentially means that they can ask a court to basically make the determination that you're not sufficiently treating yourself as separate from your business. And you should no longer have that magic bubble around it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So that agreement... That absolutely is something we should not be DIYing, correct? Yeah, I would not advise DIYing it. That's what I tell people. When you pay an attorney to form your business, you're paying for expertise, obviously, and telling you what type of entity you should choose. And then you're also paying for their expertise when it comes to those things like the operating agreements, and then also the administrative tasks of keeping up with your forms. You go to a large law firm, they're going to have secretaries that maintain all your paperwork so you can be assured that it's done correctly. 
what I always tell people, I do a lot of DIY services in my law firm. And it's like, you don't really want to pay me to like collect your name and address and fill it out and mail it to somebody. But you do want to pay me for your operating agreement. So let's divide and conquer the scope of work. And that's how I look at it. I love that. I love that so much. And I know right now you're doing DIY tax parties, which kind of have that same feel where like, you don't want to pay someone to do your taxes, but you still want that expertise, which I think is a genius idea. Love my DIY tax parties. Yeah. So next Uh, year, guys, make sure you're following Braden so you can get signed up for one of his DIY tax parties in the first quarter. Yeah. And if you're in San Francisco or LA, like tell all of your friends because most of my followers are down in San Diego. So I would love to start doing tax parties up the coast of California and mm-hmm. not even necessarily on the coast, just around California. Yeah. But essentially those are events up to 10 people can come. You sell file your tax return and I walk you through all the steps to do it on your own. Yeah. And save a lot of money. Okay. So love this. This is amazing. We've got everything outlined so that we feel ready to go. Before we start accepting our first client though, I feel like there's still some more pieces here, right? So that's like, we can put a sign on the door now, right? Yes. You still are going to, you'll have ongoing compliance requirements. So you need to do an annual statement of information with the secretary of state. That's $20. I believe you have to do the first one. I always forget if it's 60 or 90 days, but I think 60 days after your articles of incorporation for your LLC. They tell you too on all the paperwork. Yeah, just make sure you read those forms carefully because they do give you all the instructions. Yes. And then you also will have your uh, California franchise tax is due on the 15th day of the fourth month after LLC formation. And then every year thereafter on or before April 15th. So I have a fun story with regard to that, if you don't mind. Yes. So I talked to someone earlier. So what we're talking about is it's called franchise tax. I always tell my clients to think of it as an annual fee rather than a tax because it makes more sense that way. But it's essentially the fee that you have to pay the state of California to maintain your liability protection. And here in California, of course, it's more expensive than any other state. It's 800 bucks. So this individual formed their LLC on or around December 10th. And the state of California has a rule where I think it's the last two weeks, but it might be the last 10 days. Basically, if you file your LLC in the last few days of the year, you can skip that year's franchise tax. So what happened with this individual is they formed their LLC on December 10th. And then their taxes were due on January, February, March. I think March like 15th, their first $800 was due for the 2018 tax year for that 20 days they had their LLC. And then the second one is due by April 15th. So they basically had to pay $1,600 within a one month window. Oh my gosh. And they could have just waited 10 days. So obviously, if you're in tech startup land and you have investors waiting to throw money at you, like $800 isn't that big of a deal. But if you're a creative-based business that has $2,000 to start their business, 800 bucks is another course you could buy or an ad spend or four years worth of Squarespace. <laughs> it's a lot of money. I like that you know that total. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah, because Squarespace is like 200 250 a year. But it's a really big consideration. So this is where I say there's stuff that you can DIY but it's never a bad idea to pay for guidance and advice on the timeline and the steps involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll be honest, like that fee right there is the reason I haven't filed my LLC yet. 
because it does seem like super, super huge. But I will tell you what has changed my thinking on it. When I look back and look at how much I spend on other crap in my business, and I am going to call it crap because I spend a lot of money in life and in business on things that I shouldn't, (laughs) you know, as we all do. But if you go back and especially like as you're finishing out your taxes for the year and look at those totals for each category, guarantee you, you spent more than $800 in some area of your business that you didn't have to spend and you could have spent it on this instead, which is like, that's been the real kick in my pants to be like, uh, Chelsea, it's time. Yeah, do it for sure. So because the $800 is due within four months of forming your LLC, I've noticed in my own business cycle, and this is just a good tip for everybody, like know when your demand is, right? So I know that third quarter is, I call it dead season for entity formations. Because typically Q2 is still early enough in the year that people don't mind paying the $800 this year and next year. But once you get into like August, September, people don't want to pay it in late fall and then again early in the new year. Mm-hmm. So if you have clients waiting for you to sign high dollar contracts, obviously go ahead and do it because the money is already there. But if you want to form your LLC to just start your business and start marketing, then maybe put a pause on your business until you hit that window. And this is, I feel like, the thing that a lot of attorneys don't really advise on because they're kind of out of touch. <laughs> with people and their budgets. They don't really think about it. But that's something that I like to note. So my course is going to be all about how to legally form your business. I'm going to walk you through all the parts that you can DIY and then provide an operating agreement template for you that's based on California law. And I'm planning on launching it in the next couple months. And then again, I will launch it in early December so that people can do all the work before Christmas holiday uh, or whatever holiday you do celebrate and then um, actually file their articles right after that magic window appears. That is genius, genius. And I remember you talking about this last year and I thought it was fantastic that you told everyone, hey, if you're thinking about filing, like don't do it right now, like wait two weeks because you don't want another client to have the same problem where you're going to have to pay the $800 and then a month later pay it again. Yeah. So another thing I do, and this is like, this is, it's funny. I always like to get into business discussion too, of like how I operate my business. Cause I think it's just fun. And one of my taglines, like on my website is transparent rates, transparent processes. So if I'm ever running a promotion, I tell people why. So typically in October and November, I'll run, I say typically as of last year, cause I'm still pretty <laughs> new in my business. I'll run a promotion where if you pay me in October and November and we go ahead and do all of your entity docs, I'll give you a discount. Um, But they just sit in my filing cabinet until December 20th and then I mail them all out. So people typically would just drag their feet on wanting to do everything in the new year, but it's like, I still need clients and why not just get the work done now and then we'll file it when it's appropriate for you. So Absolutely. I always think it's helpful when people can think about those seasonal things in their business as well. And then like, how am I going to best serve my clientele? Yeah, I think that's genius. And it's something that all of us can think about in our own businesses too. Like, when are we going to have those high seasons? When are we going to have the low seasons? Are there any, like for you, are there any filing requirements? And how can we best serve our clients around that? And yeah. so I think this is great because you do have clients that are like, I do want to just go ahead and get this done. I just want to get it over with. But you as the professional are like, hey, just want to let you know, I'm going to hold on to it for you 
So you don't get double charged. Yeah. And I always think like, because I've got extra time right now, honestly, is not a bad reason to give a discount. I think people appreciate that. Because you can tell them like, hey, look, you can hire me in January and February, but that's the time that everyone else wants to form their business entities. Mm -hmm. And also I do taxes. So that's my busy season. Like hire me now and you're going to get a lot, like a lot more of my time and attention. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just like any other service, especially online business owners. We forget that we can use that to our advantage and it's okay. Yes. Take advantage of supply and demand, highs and lows, all that good stuff. So S corporations, just the quick takeaway, because people always ask about them. What I find, what I get really frustrated with is a lot of people go to their accountants to form business entities. And accountants are typically just going to advise you on taxes and not liabilities. So a lot of the times they'll tell you to stay in or a sole proprietor until you're going to save taxes by doing an S corp. And so I'm going to tell you all that's not good advice. Do your LLC early to protect yourself And once you're making enough money, you can convert your LLC to an S-corporation by filling out a super simple IRS form called Form 2553. You mail that to the IRS. And then you can save on part of your self-employment taxes. You don't avoid self-employment taxes. That's a misnomer out on the internet that you'll see people dropping in Facebook groups. But you'll save on some self-employment taxes. And usually the magic threshold for that is going to depend on where you live. It's kind of tied to cost of living and reasonable compensation and salary and all that kind of stuff. A lot of the times you'll hear people say to look into doing an S-Corp once you're around the $60,000 salary mark. In California, I'll usually tell people 70 or 80. But if you're going to hit 50 this year or more than that, and you're wondering if it's time to do an S-Corp, that's when you should start researching it. Talk to your attorney or your CPA so they can give you more details on how it works and when you should do it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So when you say 60K salary, like, again, if you're in California, bump that number up a little bit, or I'm assuming in New York City, bump that number up a little bit. But are you talking revenue or how much you're paying yourself? So this should be net profit. And the way it essentially works is you put yourself on a salary. So you hire a payroll company to pay yourself a salary. (laughs) And you need to be making enough to pay yourself, quote unquote, reasonable compensation for someone in your industry, geographic area with your amount of expertise, and then still have money left in the bank to pay yourself additional money distributions. Hmm. And that's the distributions where you save the self-employment tax. And I've done an entire hour-long podcast just on this topic. So if you didn't follow all of that, don't worry about it. I have blogs on it. You can check them out. I'll link to those in the show notes for you guys. So you can find more information about when it's time to actually go ahead and move over to an S-Corp. Oh, I love that so much. Okay, so just to recap, we have sole proprietorship, LLC, and S-Corp are the three majority of the formations that we are going to probably fall under, especially when you're first starting out. Really quick, what's the difference between them and when should we have each? Like super fast recap. So the default entities, sole proprietor and general partnership, I want to throw in a quick note. If you do have a partner, hire an attorney to draft your operating or partnership agreement. You don't want to DIY that. It's a legal nightmare and a tax nightmare. Yeah. And I do want to pop in here really quick. Um, If you are doing a partnership, at the very least have a written agreement somewhere that tells you that you guys have talked about how you are going to get out of it if one or both of you thinks that it's not working for you anymore. Because that's the piece that most people forget about. They just get so excited about doing this whatever it is that you're doing together and you don't talk about how to end that relationship, 
And I think that's important as well. Super important. Yeah. And um, you'll handle all of that in your operating agreement, but you definitely, you don't want to DIY that one. So two default entities, LLC provides you liability protection. S corporation is really just a tax status that your LLC can take to help save you some self-employment taxes once you're bringing in enough money. Perfect. Love that. And you can check in. I'm sure that some website somewhere tells you what those numbers are for your area for doing the S corp. Yes. And I have, um, I have freebies, checklist guides on all of this stuff, all the licenses you need. We will, I'm sure Chelsea will put those in the show notes, but also look out for my course legally launched. And we're going to figure out some way to partner on that and maybe like give you an awesome workflow bonus or something. Absolutely. You guys can keep an eye out for that. As soon as it gets ready to launch, I'm definitely going to have some bonuses for you on that to help you with your systems on to actually help you organize all of this and make sure that you are staying on track because that is honestly some of the hardest parts is making sure that you are staying up to date with all of it and not losing track of all the paperwork or deadlines. Yes. (laughs) So, which honestly I will say California has been great. I get emails from them all the time when things are due and like multiple reminders which is unexpected. I was not expecting that at yeah, all. One of, one of the few benefits of big government in California. Exactly. They have the exactly. time and resources to send you reminders. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. All right, Brayden, give us a quick rundown of your course because I know they're going to want to join and to learn all of these things. Um, you've given us snippets throughout, but I want just like a very succinct right here at the end why they should join. Sure. So the course title is going to be Legally Launched, a step-by-step guide on how to legally form your creative business in California. We are going to cover all the licenses we talked about today, how to file them, how to customize your operating agreement, what order to do all these things in. And my goal is basically to empower business owners to know when they have compliance things upcoming, to know why they're choosing certain choices in their business, and to provide them more one-on-one guidance than LegalZoom, but at a much cheaper cost than hiring their own attorney. Mm, I love that so, so, so much. And guys, I can't tell you enough how much having an attorney that I can turn to and ask all my questions to has been a huge help in my business. And you need to find that person for you. And if you are in California, Brayden is an excellent choice. You can find me on Instagram at Braden Adam Drake. Yay. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put the link for you guys in the show notes. So you know exactly how to spell Braden's name. Okay. So I wrap up all my interviews with this question. If you have a friend who's on the edge of burnout, what advice would you give them? Okay. This is kind of a tough one. Um, I'm a pretty positive person. So I always spin everything to the sunny side, but if they were like a full-time employee, I would tell them to stop that nonsense and figure out their passion and go into entrepreneurship land. Know that not everyone's cut out for that. That's fine. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. If you are a sole proprietor or a single member LLC business owner, and you're feeling a little burned out, I would say, let's remember why you were passionate about your business in the beginning. And if you can tweak your business model to scale it and be a little bit less stressful for you. Absolutely. I love that advice so much. And I think that's something that 
I mean, you guys have heard me say this before, but if you're feeling super stressed out, you need to go back to your why. Like you need to reconnect with why you're doing this in the first place. Like why you're excited about running your own business because we did not start our businesses to sit here and cry every night. (laughs) That is not why we started this. So just last week on my Instagram, I did this story on how I had a super swamped week. I couldn't get any of my side projects done. So I had back-to-back client meetings that I was sitting in my office and thinking less than a year ago, I had someone, I remember having someone contact me and them saying, Hey, when you can you meet? And I wanted to like pretend like I was busy, but in reality, I was like, just name a time this week. So I got nothing going on. I was like, what do I got to do to grow my business? So whenever you are feeling stressed out because you have a lot of client work to do, remember that point in time when your only hope was that you could actually have a viable business model on your own and realize that that dream has become a reality, even if you're not a multimillionaire yet. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. We forget to turn around and like look at where we've come from so that we can be grateful for where we are. Like I am so guilty of that. My business coach is always like, Chelsea, just look back where were you three months ago? Look how much you've done in those three months, how much you've grown. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Cause I'm always looking forward and looking for that next thing that I want to do and get out. And I feel like I'm not doing enough. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, I I may not have my beach house yet, but I made my car payment on time this month and I actually like have clients. So, you know, exactly about where you've come from and where you were and like appreciate that growth for a quick moment. Oh, I love that. You can call me Oprah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, so we need to do like a favorite things episode or something where we're just yeah. like dropping all of our favorite things out. Oh my God. I have so many favorite things. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Brayden, where can everyone find you? You already mentioned on Instagram. So Braden Adam Drake on Instagram. If you join my email list, you can get access to my private Facebook group called the Creative Preneur Community, where you can drop in and ask questions, connect, all that good stuff. It is awesome, guys. His email list is really good. Thanks. Not that I'm on it or anything. Yeah, I try to give experience. <laughs> try to give reminders on quarterly tax due dates, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Really, really good. And his community and the freebies. Amazing. They're amazing, guys. So I will link all of that for you in the show notes, as well as the link to get signed up for his course as soon as it launches with whatever freebie I decide to give you guys. If you have an idea of something you want, let me know. Braden, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. And I can't wait to see all the businesses that you guys form correctly and legally. Yes. Oh my goodness, guys. That was so much information. Brayden shared a ton with us on how we can actually set up our business the right way legally and whether you should start considering forming an LLC or not. So your permission slip today is just to do a mini audit and see if there is any legal housekeeping that you need to do because you definitely want to make sure that you are set up legally. So go do the research for your state, county, city, and make sure that you have all the proper things filed and figured out for your business in your state, city, and county. All right. So again, just go do that mini audit. Make sure you have all your legal housekeeping things put together and organized and ready to go so you are legal to run your business. 
All right. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked it, I would love it if you would head on over to iTunes, click subscribe so you get all the future episodes. And I'd absolutely love it if you would leave us a review. Reviews help other people find our podcast. And if you would love to continue the conversation, join me over on Instagram. I'm at Chelsea B. Foster. Slide on into my DMs and let me know how you like today's episode. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Burnout Proof Your Biz podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes to download today's permission slip. And if you like today's show, we'd love for you to leave a quick review. Until next time, have a wonderful, productive, and empowering day.